We are following this breaking news story. Governor Wolf has rejected Pennsylvania's recently redrawn congressional district map. In the Supreme Court, I believe we should start the articles of impeachment. State Supreme Court has drawn new congressional districts. This is a usurpation of power by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, and we are hoping that the United States Supreme Court will stay it. Yes, our Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is now the hot center of the national debate over gerrymandering. The question now seems to be, will our entire state government lose its mind under the scrutiny? This is 20 by 70, the scrappy little podcast for people who expect more out of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. I'm Chris Satulo. A few weeks ago, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court tossed out the state's congressional map, saying it was so blatantly tilted to Republican candidates as to deny voters their rights under the state constitution. That's what's meant by the term gerrymandering. It's drawing election districts in a way that unfairly favors one party or one set of candidates. On President's Day, the court put forth a new congressional map of its own devising, preferring the work of its own expert over proposals from legislative leaders, the governor, and the plaintiffs in the case. The plaintiffs were a group of Democratic voters organized by the League of Women Voters. Every day since, the chaos and partisan sniping have seemed to get ever more extreme. To help us sort through the chaos and get our bearings, I'm joined now in the Wexler studio at Writer's House on the Penn campus by Jonathan Lai, a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com who's done a superb job of covering the story. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey. Okay, so we're sitting here on a rainy Friday in late February. At this very moment, what's the state of play in this case? Well, funny you should ask. Things are changing basically by the hours. So <laughs> um, right at this particular moment, we have a new congressional map that's going to be in place. That's the one that you just talked about from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. But Republican lawmakers who have been fighting this from the very beginning are still fighting it. Just yesterday, they, uh, a bunch of lawmakers filed yet another lawsuit trying to challenge this in federal court. There's been talk of there's been some talk of impeachment. There's been talk about of the justices know, of the Pennsylvania right. Supreme Court justices. There's been all sorts of legal maneuvers, political maneuvers, all in an attempt to say block this map. Let's use the 2011 map. That's the previous map that was thrown out. Use that map one more time for the 2018 elections. And the 2018 elections are coming up fairly soon with the primaries. So there, there's a timeline issue here. That's right. The primary election is May 15. But obviously, if you're running for election, you have there's a whole schedule of things that you have to do in advance of that. One of those things is you have to start circulating these nominating petitions. You got to get a bunch of signatures to get on the ballot for the primary. That starts next week. Right. And it has to be done in mid-March, right? It the, has to be yeah. done in mid-March. That starts next week. So if you're trying to block the map and you're trying to say put a new map in place or go back to the old one, you got to get that done in just a couple of days. Right. So how different is the new map uh, – devised by the court from the one that we've been electing Congress people um, under for the last seven years? Whew. It's, 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 there's a hard, it's very difficult to quantify that because it's so different. I mean, there are the districts, the shapes of the districts themselves look different, right? They're more compact now. They used to be sprawling. You'd have a tendril here, a tentacle there. All of a sudden, the districts look a lot more compact. They look more like blobs than they do, you know, tentacles going everywhere. Rather but then, than oozing ink stains right, going exactly. through water like they used to. But then even where the districts are has changed. Montgomery County used to have five different districts cutting into it, and people used to complain that Mon Montgomery County didn't have a district based in Monco. It has one now. So 
what as they it look used like. to in the old days. As it used yeah. to. So it's like what they look like, where they're located, even the number. I mean, the numbering is all over the place. So it's really it's thrown a lot of people for a loop. When it first came out, everyone was like, "This, this is different. This is very, very right." Different. So the old thirteenth is now sort of the fourth, but that's hard to say. And the the old the, the Philly districts are completely different, even inside Philly. Right, right. Things have changed a lot under this map. So. A lot of things that we try to look at when we look at, you know, how does this affect partisanship? How does this affect how, you know, incumbents and this and that and which voters? It's kind of complicated. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk. Some some people are extremely focused just on the immediate results, how it's going to affect right. the 2018 midterms. And the general sense is it's helpful to the Democrats. It gives them a, cha- a better chance at more seats. Well, uh, but I mean – But but there's a lot changing about politics anyhow. So it's all hard to sort out, you know. Right. I mean first of all, there's all that talk of Democratic wave election. But honestly, one of the things that's really funny is when we talk about how this is a better map for Democrats than the old map, that's that's definitional. The old map was designed to help Republicans. So even if this is a neutral map, which the court put it out and said this is a fair neutral map, a neutral map is going to be better for Democrats than the previous map was. All right. So we should sort of review that. There are 18 congressional districts in Pennsylvania. And in every election held under this map, which was approved by a Republican-led General Assembly, there were some Democratic votes for the map. But – and then uh, signed by the governor, who was then Tom Corbett, also a Republican – in every election since, Republicans have won 13 of the seats and Democrats five of the seats. Pretty the much same 13 seats. Yeah, exactly. The same 13. Pretty much no matter how the rest of the, the voting went that year, whether it was an Obama wave election or a Trump wave election. That's right. The, one of the ways that people have sort of looked at this in very simple terms is to say Republicans took 13 out of 18 seats, the same 13 over and over. Yet in that time period, Pennsylvania as a whole – the votes continue to be split, basically 50-50 Republican-Democrat. Everybody knows we're a battleground state. We voted for Obama and we voted for Trump. We have two senators right now, Bob Casey, Democrat, Pat Toomey, Republican. You know, we followed Tom Corbett, a Republican, with Governor Wolf, a Democrat. So we're going back and forth. We're Republican-Democrat, Republican-Democrat, and yet 13 out of 18, over and over, the same 13 seats going to Republicans. So what was the basis, though? What was the legal basis that the court had for overturning the map? Because simply saying, oh, Republicans are winning is not a legal basis. That's right. So they took in a, a whole bunch of evidence. The legal argument that the court said in its opinion was the Pennsylvania state constitution has a line that basically guarantees, it says, elections shall be free and equal. And what the court said was, if a map is so designed to skew toward one party as to dilute another party's votes, if, if you're discriminating against a specific set of voters in that way, elections aren't free and equal. And that's new. That's not something that you find in the, U, the United States Constitution. It's something you find in the Pennsylvania State Constitution. And crucially, you find it in other states' constitutions as well. Right, which partly accounts for the tremendous amount of interest nationally um, in this because other people who are worried or upset about gerrymandering, whether from a partisan Democrat or just from a, you know, we should fix this problem, are saying you don't need to just wait on the United States Supreme Court because many state constitutions have similar language. And so this this is sort of a springboard for a new legal argument. That's right. A lot of the legal challenges with regard to partisan gerrymandering have taken place in the federal courts. And yet with this, people are saying, look, there's a new avenue here. And not only is there a new avenue in the state courts, 
because the Pennsylvania state constitution has this clause that so many other state constitutions have, if the Pennsylvania Supreme Court reads this clause as saying no extreme partisan gerrymandering, other Supreme Courts, other state Supreme Courts might do the same thing. They might look to it and say, hey, ours is modeled off of their constitution or very similar to it. Maybe we should make a similar legal argument and fight partisan gerrymandering through the state constitution. Right. So, And I don't want to go into the mind-bending statistics that sort of underlay that argument, but there are new statistical models and experts who have been political scientists and, and statisticians who've been developing those models. Those are sort of exportable from the Pennsylvania case to all those other state cases. So, you know, very similar arguments can be made. That's right. There have been, in the past couple of years, we've seen political scientists, mathematicians, lawyers come up with a variety of metrics for how do you measure whether or not a map is skewed in such a way that you might say it's a partisan gerrymander. That's actually up before the United States Supreme Court now. That's up in a couple of different cases all around the country. And in this case, they did, in fact, use some of those measures. And they said this is, in fact, one piece of evidence that we can use to measure this map and say it's a gerrymander. Yeah, and that's – they were also used in the Wisconsin case that's in front of the Supreme Court leading Chief Justice Roberts to call it so much social the, science gobbledygook. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, but what's the significance for what happens now going forward with the Pennsylvania case in that the justices rooted their decision in the state constitution, not the federal constitution? Well. <laughs> OK. Put on your legal robes. Yeah. This, <laughs> gets, this gets a little bit complicated because as we know right now, as I, as I mentioned, there are these federal challenges. And so one thing that the Republican lawmakers have argued is fine. Yes, the state Supreme Court is the highest court. It gets to rule on state law. But the United States Constitution has its own elections clause, and in that, it gives legislatures the power to run elections. And so the argument is, hey, the state legislature is the one that gets to draw the lines. You don't get to draw the lines. Mm -hmm. And so even though they say, look, the state court is making a state constitutional decision, that's stepping on our federally given power, which is the state legislature gets to draw the lines. Because remember, the court on Monday drew its own lines. Right. It released its own map. Yeah. And they they well, they say they didn't ignore, but they didn't adopt a map that had been submitted by the two Republican legislative leaders, uh, Mike Terzai and Joe Scarnani. That's right. They're, so to bring it back a little bit, the state Supreme Court, when it overturned the map, it said, you guys get a chance to do it because that's the normal process. Normally, the congressional map in Pennsylvania is passed as law. The state legislature draws a map, it passes it, sends it to the governor, then it's on the governor to approve. In this case, they said, you have a certain amount of time to draw a new map, send it to the governor, the governor has a certain amount of time to approve or reject it, and then it's our turn. Here's what happened. The state legislature ran out of time, didn't draw its own map and pass it as legislation. So what happened was the two top Republican lawmakers, Scarnati and Terzai, that's the Senate president pro tempore and the House Speaker, they drew their own map, sent it directly to the governor, and the governor looked at it, said, this is a partisan gerrymander still, <laughs> threw it out. He said he rejected it. A more clever and subtle That's right. That's right. It yeah. looked more compact. So if you looked at it, it right. looked nice. But, you know, he had a mathematician from Tufts University help him analyzing the map, and he said, this is still a partisan gerrymander. He rejected it. That gave it to the court. So the court, in order to give everyone due process, right, said, Everyone can give us your own proposals for the maps. Give us what you think the map should look like. Send us some comments. We'll take that into account. When they released their map on Monday, it didn't look exactly like any of the other maps. They didn't simply select one. 
but they did say that they had taken into account some of the feedback from the other maps. Right, and they had their own expert who essentially drew the lines for them. That's right. They had this guy from Stanford University. He's a law professor. He's a very well-known redistricting expert. This guy has drawn, he's helped courts draw maps all over the place, including most recently in North Carolina. So he's very well-known and well-respected. So the Supreme Court set up this sort of unusual process because of that ticking clock that you talked about and trying to, right. you know, let candidates know, you know, where they could run before the deadline for nominating petitions. But that's also part of the angle the Republicans are now setting in their court case. Like normally we have so long to pass something that the governor has so long to look at it, then we have so long to override his veto. And none of that was provided for in the court order. So the legal experts you're talking to um, about the uh, Republican appeals, I guess there's perhaps two of them coming. Do they see that that gives them any leverage, any way to get themselves in front of a federal court and make their case? That's right. So on the one hand, the court sort of had to say, you you have a very tight timeline because we have to have the primary election. And in order to have the primary election, you have to have all the campaigning and all of that. So on the one hand, they had very, very tight schedule. On the other hand, the Republicans are saying, look, you gave us such a tight schedule that from the start, you made it impossible for us to get this done. You gave us less than three weeks to draw a map. Normally, a map takes longer than that. You gave the, pre- you gave the governor less time than normal under the, the state constitution. You gave him less time than normal to veto the map. So all over the place, they're saying, look, you gave us a really tight timeline. Their, their idea is it's clear from this that your intent in the first place was to draw your own map. You set us up to fail because you didn't want us to draw a new map. You wanted to draw your own map. So they're taking that argument to court. They're taking that, right, there's, an, a, there's now a request at the United States Supreme Court asking them to step in, asking them to block this. There was a lawsuit filed yesterday by a group of Republican congressmen from Pennsylvania, along with two state senators, making very similar arguments, saying they're taking our power. They want, they never wanted to give us a real chance to do this in the first place. You know, the experts that I've talked to said these are really long shots. They're very unlikely to, to be successful. And in fact, they've made this argument once before the United States Supreme Court. Justice Alito denied it. They're trying again. But of course, anything can happen. Now, one of the legal af- experts you talked to and quoted one of your stories who sort of prefaces remarks saying I'm an avowed Democrat, still seemed to sharply criticize the court's process and suggest that there was really something askew in what they did. Could you talk a little about that? Absolutely. So there has been some talk of impeaching the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court justices. All of this is with the caveat that nothing is actually moved in Harrisburg, right? If you're going to impeach a justice, there's legislation that's involved, and you have to go through a whole process. That hasn't actually been introduced. Right now, it's not in the legal realm. It's still in the political rhetoric realm. But we have a sitting congressman talking about it. We have a sitting U.S. senator talking about it. Yeah, Ryan Costello and Pat Toomey. That's right. Costello says we should impeach these these justices. Toomey doesn't actually say we should do it. He just called. He he said that the discussion about it was inevitable. That was his word, inevitable. So He used the old Trumpian, people are talking kind of uh, way of introducing it. And so there's a lot of talk about it right now. Nothing concrete has happened. There's a lot of talk. Most of the experts that we talked to said we can't see a way forward here. If you want to impeach a judge, you got to have crime or corruption. And it's not clear that there's any crime involved here. And it's not clear that there's any corruption involved here. The justices ruled, made a legal ruling. 
that was their opinion. You know, if, if the lawmakers disagree, that's their choice. They can disagree, but you know, there's no there's no evidence of corrupt or criminal intent. Here's the thing: one guy that we talked to said they did appear to be trampling on some of the norms. By moving so quickly, by not giving a lot of time, they do appear to be trampling on the norms. So maybe there's something here. But even he said they shouldn't do it. Just because there maybe is some sort of grounds for impeachment doesn't mean they should actually do it. Yeah, in part because that begins a never-ending cycle. Then every time there's a major case where the justices rule against the way a group of people want, they start talking about impeaching the the justices. And then right. You, you don't really have a court system. Right? right, right. When it comes to checks and balances, the court is supposed to be able to check the legislature. And then if something crazy happens with a justice, you can go ahead and impeach that justice. But you're not really supposed to be able to appeal a case back to the legislature, right? And so as one expert I talked to said, look, there's actually a process. If the lawmakers think that the court has gotten something wrong, go ahead and make a new law. If you think that they're reading the Constitution wrong, go ahead and amend the state constitution. But as he says, if you want to amend the constitution and say partisan gerrymandering in order to punish the other party is acceptable under our state constitution, he doesn't think the voters are going to go for that. Right. So speaking of amendments to the constitution, there is an amendment uh, proposed to the, the, the state constitution um, generated by the Fair Districts PA sort of grassroots movement that wants to set up an independent redistricting commission run and, and basically all the decisions made by citizens, not elected officials or politicians. Um, do you have any sense of how this court case affects that push for the amendment? Sure. So while everybody who has been watching the gerrymandering fight, all the advocates, anybody interested in good government is watching this and saying, hey, we got a nice map, better than before, unskew a gerrymander, that's great. Everybody also recognizes that we shouldn't have the Pennsylvania Supreme Court draw a map that's not normal. While that may have been what needed to be done in this case, nobody thinks that that should be the normal process. And in fact, the normal process remains. The legislature draws a map and sends it to the governor. For Congress, not for the state legislature. Right, that's right. right, for the congressional map. The state legislative maps are done through a through a bipartisan committee. Where the court does have input because they the, essentially The court gets to appoint the, the, the tiebreaker. Yeah. That's right. The thing is, you can have a new map and the new map can be neutral and people can agree on the new map, but that doesn't change the process by which future maps are drawn. Right. And everyone is saying, everyone on the reform side says, this is great, we welcome the new map. The system is still broken. The next time it comes around, in 2020, when we do the new census, and then in 2021, when we're supposed to draw a new map, it's going to be the same process as before. And that's flawed. And the other issue is you can't just, in all likelihood, import the map that the court just devised. Oh, um, it, because it, this, that's impossible. Because right. the state is, in all likelihood, going to lose one congressional That's right. We're going to lose. So t- every 10 years, right, to back this up, every 10 years... We conduct a national census. That's how we figure out where all of the congressional districts go. How many how many seats does each state have? First of all, our state is not growing as quickly as a lot of the states in the South, the Midwest. So we're going to lose a seat. So we're going to go from 18 to 17. Second, within the state itself, because every district needs to have equal population, one person, one vote, every district needs to have the same population, the Southwest of Pennsylvania is losing people. Southeast is growing a little bit. So we're going to see not only a smaller number of total districts in Pennsylvania, we're going to see where they are shift a little bit. And the other 
piece of all this, there's no way to predict what the political alignment will be. Well, likely the court will still be Democratic, but we don't know who the governor will be and we don't know who will be in control of the assembly. So We don't know. And you know, speaking of who the governor will be, that's actually one reason why this has attracted a lot of attention from national Democrats because they've said perhaps we can't take the state legislature, right? If you're a Democrat, it's a tough, it's a tough battle to try to win the Pennsylvania state legislature. But the governor has veto power. So if you reelect Governor Wolf or you have a Democrat in the governor's office, he gets to he gets to veto or approve whatever map the legislature sends him. And so a lot of so the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, that's this group that was that's headed by Eric Holder, the former attorney general. It's got a lot of backing from former President Obama. They've already said, we're looking at this race. We're looking at Pennsylvania. We want to make sure we have a Democrat in the governor's office so that we have some sort of leverage when it comes time to draw a new map. Right. Understanding that by the time you get back to your office on Market Street, there might be a major development in this case. What would you uh, recommend that the interested voter, the interested citizen sort of look for, watch for the next week or two on this issue? Well, certainly I would say make sure you actually know where your new district is because <laughs> some a lot of people are going to be in new congressional districts under this map. In the meantime, everybody just stay calm and we'll see what happens. You know, the courts are going to decide whether or not to step in. If they don't, it's going to be the map that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court put out. And as all the experts have told me, that's the one that's most likely to be used in the elections. So you can start there, take a breath, pay attention to what Committee of 70 puts out. You got, I'm sure you guys will put out a lot of guidance. Don't freak out. Okay. That's Jonathan Lai, reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Now let's bring in David Thornburg, the president and CEO of the Committee of 70, who's been listening in as we talked with Jonathan Lai from the Inquirer. So what, what struck you or what was your key takeaway from Jonathan's rather crisp analysis of where we sit right now? Well, I'll, I'll pick up on a line that, uh, that I think he framed nicely, which is to say this chaotic process of the last few weeks may give us a better map, but it doesn't fix the process. And I, I know in your journalism trade, there's a general story that nobody really is interested in process stories. <laughs> but in the next couple of minutes, we're going to do our best right. to, to reveal to how, how important <laughs> the process is uh, because ultimately it's what produces the results. So what do the events of the last couple of weeks with regard to the gerrymandering issue with the court case and all the fighting, what do they tell you about process? Yeah, well, I, it's kind of been like a pressure cooker. And, you know, when you put things under pressure, you can see where the leaks are. So here's a couple things uh, as I've watched this and, and uh, thought about it. Um, there's been no public input whatsoever. There's a bunch of maps flying around between the Republicans and Democrats, the court. Second point is the map that was drawn uh, has been drawn by an expert from uh, uh, Stanford that was uh, countered or was uh, in response to the map drawn for the governor by an expert who I'm sure in, in enormously talented people, but I don't know that they've ever set foot in Pennsylvania, no Pennsylvania communities and so forth. So that's, that's another, um, uh, I think, inadequacy of, of this process. You know, one final note on process, which is kind of ironic or um, what have you. The, um, you know, the Republicans are now concerned that we have an overly partisan uh, Supreme Court. 
I think the general rule of thumb is if you don't like the court's decision, then you cry partisan politics. Things weren't different last time around when you had a Republican Supreme Court and everything was fine. The irony is groups like ours for years have argued, as, has, as I should point out, has every living governor has argued that we, in fact, need uh, appointed judges, what's called merit selection. So if, if this hue and cry leads to that, I'm all for it. But I suspect some of the people who are arguing, you know, we have this overly partisan court, probably weren't um, uh, supporting the merit selection along the way. So I think that's uh, a safe a safe assertion on your part. Uh, you know, talking to Jonathan a little bit um, after we're done, the thing that strikes me about what's happened in the last month, you know, the end result is, you know, having studied this issue for more than a decade, the end result uh, actually looks like a reasonably fair map. It's not perfect. I haven't gotten into all the details of, you know, municipal splits. It's a clear improvement over what we've been operating with. But when you have something that's done in this rushed and chaotic a way and just leads to uh, you know, accusations of bias and partisanship on the part of everyone, even talk of impeaching you know, Supreme Court justices, how can the average person trying to follow this have any trust in the result? Yeah. Like our, our Stanford professor may have done you know, a yeoman, workmanlike job, been very right. careful and everything. Who's going to believe that? How can right. voters trust that this map yeah. is a significant improvement over the one they've you know, been using for the last or been forced to use over the last seven years? And that to me gets to the process. You have to have a process yeah. that engenders trust in the end result. That's right. And if you trust the process, you're more likely to trust the result. If you see a process that's fair, open, inclusive, goes far and wide across Pennsylvania to ask regular people how they'd like to be represented, uh, the map that results from that process is going to engender more trust. Right. So, David, I think we've come to the logical and utterly predictable endpoint of this conversation you and I are having about uh, gerrymandering. We at the Committee of Academy, of course, have launched an initiative recently that we hope will contribute to a more trustworthy and trusted process. Uh, sort of do the ref quickly. It's one called more. Draw the Lines, and it's a massively open uh, public mapping competition that will launch uh, this fall that will give everybody in Pennsylvania the data and the tools to draw maps for themselves. School kids, seniors, church congregations, wherever there are more than, <laughs> more than a few people gathered, uh, and, and the point of that is, is to model the process that we ought to have, to put political pressure on the map drawing process, however it exists, um, and ultimately, you know, to, uh, to create more uh, access and, and trust in the process, as we just talked about. Right. So we'll be holding uh, promotional launch events uh, around Philadelphia, the central part of the state, and Pittsburgh in the next couple of months. So stay tuned. I I have a sneaking suspicion that we'll be talking about it again on this podcast. <laughs> yep. So thanks very much, David Thornburg. Um, and this is Chris Satulo wrapping up the podcast from the Wexler studio in Kelly Ryder's house on the Penn campus. Uh, we want to thank our guest for today, Jonathan Lai, reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com, as always, uh, CEO of Committee of 70, David Thornburg. Our wonderful engineer on the other side of the glass, Zach Cardner, our uh, producer, Joel Patterson, and everyone in the Committee of 70 family who behind the scenes does a lot of work to make this podcast possible. So, as we always end, um, until next time, 
Expect more, Philadelphia, and this time, given the topic of the podcast, expect more, Pennsylvania.